So tonight was a pretty awesome night for me. I got to have my high school football coach, English teacher come in and talk with me and JJ. It got real long. We went over two hours and I, we kept having to like, oh gosh, are we going to keep going? No, we're going to keep going. I know for me, it was super nostalgic and awesome. I hope it's awesome for you guys. Um, Darren Johnson is one of the greatest dudes. He's a great coach and he's a great teacher. He's a great personal mentor. And um, anyway, so we split tonight's thing up into two parts. So you're going to hear the first part right now, and then we'll release the next part tomorrow night. So here we go, Sunday night, uh, February 25th, and then tomorrow night you'll get the rest of it, uh, February 26th. So I hope you guys enjoy it. Thanks so much for listening. Welcome back, everybody, to the JJ and Pug Show. This is the February 25th, 2024 episode. What episode is it now? Just to piss Carl off. Which one is it? You know, 12? I'm going to say number, I'm going to say know. 11 because I actually, I actually don't know. What it is I have anymore. no idea. I stopped, no I stopped idea. keeping track of it because at one time he called us out. I'm like, you know, screw you, dude. Yeah. I'm like, fine, Carl. And I also tell Carl this. I know exactly what it is because every time I would put in the episode number, the website makes sure I know what the last number was. So I didn't screw it up, Carl. <laughs> Do you remember Carl Roth, Coach? I do. Crazy oh. Carl. Oh, he remembers Crazy oh, Carl. Crazy lost Carl. My memory. Yeah. He's crazy. <laughs> That's All funny. Right. So everybody who did not recognize that, oh, recording from the Highland Communities Podcast Studios, this is the JJ and Pug Show. See, I told you you need a checklist. You I need a checklist for I, sure. <laughs> I got all messed up here because my boy, my man, Dr. Darren Johnson, my old football coach from back in Higley High School is yes. here with us. Yep, and I was the one who had the genius idea to put Eric at nose tackle. Oh, and let me tell really? you what, he quickly pulled me because I was too dominant. <laughs> <laughs> tell, him, tell him I'm lying, coach. No, he, but he was 140 pounds, <laughs> yes. but we we thought he could get to the quarterback. 140 pounds. I think at that yourself. time I probably was, dude. And I tell In you, pads? No, no. At that time, like it was, what was I, 15? I was 15 or 16 yeah. years old. But um, I, I kid you not, dude. I got put in for one series and I got three sacks. <laughs> but well, you know what's funny is we had a nose guard that was a wrestler. I think he wrestled one fifty five, and we brought him in. His name was Sean Seymour. We only brought we got him to play with us our senior year just to play nose tackle, and he was amazing at that position. Yeah. He was great. I say this: I cannot believe you remember that coach because I tell people that I'm like, hey, listen, that doesn't make any sense, but I play defensive line and nobody believes me. It works. Wait till the stories start coming. <laughs> here. Oh, I'm no. ready. I'm this ready. Is, this is exciting. All right. So currently. Coach Darren Johnson is the English teacher and department head at Santan Foothills High School. He was the um, athletic director at Post and Butte High School. He's currently the head wrestling coach, head JV football coach. He was the Arizona Wrestling High School Coach of the Year in 2003, 2004. Let's go Higley Knights. And 2018, is that with Perry? Yes, the Pumas. The Pumas, all right. And most importantly, he's a father, husband, and believer in God. He's also conservative and patriotic. All right, so Coach... Happy to have you here, man. Yeah, this is awesome. I, I threw it out there just like kind of the joke with you. And then when you said, yeah, I said, well, yeah, let's do it. This is going to be great. <laughs> Dude, I was so excited when you you even said you wanted to be on it because yeah. it's all, this is fun. I got I to gotta say this, Jason. This is so fun, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. It's this great. is a blast. I had yeah. so many people reach out to me this past week, specifically my family. So my, my nephew just got married. And um, so I'm at the, the wedding dinner and my whole family was coming up being like, oh man, you know, I've been listening to the show. And I'm always shocked when people will tell me that. Right. And But every one of them was like, listen, specifically my nephew, he is a hardcore sports fan. He and I get along so well because we talk sports all the, all the time. And he said, even for me, a hardcore sports fan, I got to say my favorite episode was of this or that, or would you? Oh yeah. So that was, we did an episode with his daughters where they came in and quizzed us this or that, or or would you rather it was so fun. And we did it in the blind. We had no idea what they were going to ask and they're 15 and 16. So they're more mature than I am. So they they asked some questions. I was surprised they asked, but it was, uh, it was really fun actually. It was a blast. So yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah, let's, let's get into some sports. I was super excited to have you come and say you wanted to be. No, thanks guys. Both of you for letting me do this. Yeah, it's going to be fun. I'm excited for it. Before we get into the sports though, 
The other day I saw a coach posted something on Facebook that I wanted to talk about. I, I put it on the show notes as phrases that irk. Coach, go ahead and give this the, the post, give the story behind that post. Well, I'll tell you my sports one, and then I have one that's specific to teaching. But uh, states, when people say they're going to states, or, hey, did he make it to states? And, and I don't know plural. if it's a, yeah. yeah there's, <laughs> I always want to say, well, which, which other states are involved? Yes. I thought it was just Arizona. I've never even heard this. Is this That's the tri-state right. area? Yeah, are you, you talking the four corners? State. And if you know wrestlers, the first thing they say is, oh, Eric, you were a wrestler. Did you make it to state? Yeah, I did, senior year. I got third. Okay. And then uh, there was a guy that is in the same district as me, and he put a picture up, and it said, states, exclamation point. And I thought, okay, here we go. What an idiot. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I have to do this. I said, I have to do this because it drives me insane. There's okay. one state. You, this is the single state tournament. This right. is, I mean, if you were, maybe if it was like New Hampshire, Vermont and Massachusetts. Hey, yeah. there are three states. We're really, oh, throw in Rhode Island. Right. We're all really tiny places. We're all right next door. Yeah, well, this is the state's tournament. Yeah, I've never heard that, but that I would drive heard. me nuts. Yeah. Now you oh, will. Yeah. yeah, now I'll pay attention <laughs> to it. You'll hear somebody like, say oh, it. no, you didn't. So this is one that kills me. This is the one that gets me every time, and it drives me bonkers. My older brother, he's the worst at it. He says it all the time. No matter how many times I corrected him, when people use the phrase, I could care less... So, and I ask him every single time, oh, so you care a little bit? They're like, no, 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 I could care less. But what you're telling me is that you could theoretically care less than you currently do. So, therefore, you care a little bit. That's funny. Just add, there's three more characters to add in that <laughs> phrase if you want to get it right N O T or N apostrophe T. Couldn't or could not care less. It kills me. And you know who does it? We just talked about how much we like him, Ron Wolfley. Oh, he really? does it all the time. Oh, that's funny. You oh, catch it every time. Every you time you catch it. And the thing about Ron Wolfley, though, is he, he will tell people, I say it because I'm from the East Coast, and that's what we say back there. And I'll say, so you're wrong there, too. Okay, so let's not justify it. You're wrong. It's wrong. And it's grammatically incorrect. Yes. Yeah. I have another one, unless you go no, and chime in. I, actually, the word I thought of was irregardless. Oh, <laughs> yes. You know yes. what's funny, though, is I think they've added it to the dictionary because so many people use it in a, like, just, and it's not even a word, but they're like, you know what? We got to just throw it into Webster because people use it. But <laughs> yes. they say it all, irregardless. It's like, hold on. It's regardless. Yeah, like, can we stop? Literally means the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh my gosh, dude. But yeah, that's the word that comes yes. to mind. Solid, solid. Yo, I'm an English teacher, so I get it. Um, <laughs> mine is my bad. And now the kids know that I go nuts. <laughs> At first, I always say, yeah, it is your bad. Yep. <laughs> but then I also, it's like, they think that if you say my bad, that, oh, okay. It wipes away. It's away. an apology. So it's I, like their way of apologizing. My bad. My I bad. said, I'm going to get pulled over for, you know, doing 40 miles over the speed limit. But did you tell the officer my bad? Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay, sir. Yeah. My, oh, my, my bad. Problem. My B. We good. Like, we You're good. free to go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I had to get that one out of the way because when I saw that post, I immediately thought, I'm like, oh, I could care less about that post. <laughs> yeah. My bad. For real. <laughs> irregardless. Yeah, irregardless. Let's, let's go to the next. On. Yeah. <laughs> So I wanted you to talk about how um, seven on seven for anybody who don't know what seven on seven and it's a passing camp for football teams. It only involves a quarterback running back and wide receivers and a tight end. No offensive line is involved. And on the defensive side, no defensive lines involved. It is linebackers, safeties and cornerbacks. It's just strictly a passing camp that people do in the off season for, you know, for football camps and things like that. And coach said, he thinks it's a waste of time. Yeah. I want to agree with him, but I want him to tell me why I agree with him. All right. Well, first off, it's two-hand touch. Let's just call it. They call it seven-on-seven, seven, so it sounds more official. Half the coaches I know don't want to do it. And remember, I was at a big school. I was at Perry, and we played Hamilton and Chandler and Desert Vista. But they, they have to because everyone else is doing it. And somebody will say, well, you know, they're doing this. Why aren't we doing that? So for first... No one wants to do it. You'd be better off working on your routes at your place, on your campus. Second is, it's a way for people to make some money. Yeah. And they, you know, they, they go to these huge tournaments. They pay a lot of money to travel there. There's an entry fee. Yeah. And then they, you know, this team won a national championship. It's in two-hand touch. They did. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, and then with me, 
since I always coach football at the lower levels because I'm head wrestling coach, I can't be a varsity coach in two sports. It's too much. So my kids, their routes are bad. Their throwing motion is bad. So it gives them a false sense of what they can do because there's no contact. Yeah. They run across the middle. They don't get touched. Yeah. The quarterback is not getting rushed by linemen like you. They want to yeah. <laughs> sack him. The 140 nose guard. <laughs> is that right? It's a waste of their time. We could just work on running tight routes at our place like we do. And then, uh, you know, we, we beat a team last We only do uh, three nights at Santam Foothills where I'm at, and I'm gl- grateful for that. So it's not three nights in the summer. And we beat a team that we didn't think we would, but and the kids went crazy. If we'd have played them in a regular game, they would have killed us. And I knew that. Right. But, you know, they were going nuts that they beat this school and, and they'd never competed with them. And it was a false sense of accomplishment. And then uh, I think um, just like with club sports, you know, somebody's making a lot of money. What brought on seven on seven? Cause I mean, I graduated in 04. I think it started getting like, I don't remember. We never went to a seven on seven, anything, but I think it was starting to make a little bit of movement back then. But what, what brought it on? Yeah, I, I don't know, but I remember the first time I heard of it, See, we wouldn't have done it at Higley because we wouldn't throw the ball. I, I was say, I was gonna say, <laughs> yeah, we did one. I remember we did one with coach, and this is um, for everybody not listening. Coach Jim Beal was my head coach at Higley, and he was just the greatest human being. And he like was. Coach said, we didn't throw the ball. We ran, I we ran blast left, blast right, <laughs> counter right, counter left, it split was, left, split right. I mean, it was, it was beautiful. The because I did all I had to call was formation and trap. Yeah. No, yeah. you know how kids forget running out to the quarterback. You know, uh, s- spread, spread, dive. Yeah, yeah. Spread, ISO. Yeah, you know, it, was <laughs> it was just so simple. It was, yeah. it was, uh, it was so fun to play in it, for me also because I was a running back. So it was a lot of fun for me to play in that kind of scheme. But I remember we did a we did a seven seven camp, and it was at uh, Mountain uh, Mountain View, and we were the lone three A school going up against all the five A's. And we did it right. I yeah. mean, I want to say that we we were right there in the middle by the end of the. But I remember Coach Beal saying, "All right, guys, we're never going to do that again." And we were kind of like, "Why?" He's like, "It's a complete waste of time." And and yeah. okay, so what positions did you play again? Well, I was a tight end until my senior year, then I played left tackle and That's defensive right. end. So yeah, so I felt like the reason why it was so dumb to me is like you said, there the the whole like basis of football is played on the offensive line and the defensive line that you win or lose a game on the, the offensive trenches. and defensive line. Exactly. In the trenches. That is how you win or lose a football game. And when you're going to go do a seven on seven where there is no trench, there's no, no there's the, nothing. There's no rush or anything. Exactly. Just, so what on earth are you actually practicing? You're not practicing anything. And I, I mean, for me, I have no problem. People want to make some money off that. Go do your thing, whatever. I don't care, but don't pretend that it means anything. Yeah. And, and you will hear people say some ridiculous stuff like, uh, colleges and, uh, college coaches. I can tell you fact, they don't go to seven on sevens. They don't look at it. Well, they can tell you they? whatever they want, but they do not. And it's funny because it's such a big thing. You would think that's the reason that's the driving force, right? Oh, it's to help get recognized and all this kind of stuff. But at the end of the day, you're right. And I've never heard it put at two hand touch, but that's, I think flag football is almost more competitive because you have a rusher. Yeah. <laughs> like well, it may take yeah. three seconds or five second rush, whatever, but you still have somebody coming at you. Whereas you're just sitting there waiting for, you know, something to happen. And you just kind of wait because I don't know the rules of seven on seven. Do you have a time? Do you have a throw time? Like, how's it work? It depends. Um, who's running it so when we do it if it goes five seconds i blow the whistle when we go with poston and florence our district yeah santan post and florence and we stopped nope that's on down and we do it so you got 40 yards you've got a first down if you make it 20 and then you got another four downs so you got eight downs to score if you get a first down otherwise you you don't get anything the other team goes back to the 40 yeah and i guess it's good because Kids get excited for it and things like that. And anything that gets kids active is good. But it's it's not going to tell you what kind of team you have. It's just not going to. No, I'm with you on the, the if it's something, if it's strictly something to get kids out, yeah, super successful. Let's do it all day long. I'm all on board. That's great. 
but I'm taking the two hands out of it and I'm putting flags on because how much harder it is to grab someone's flag than it is to touch them with two hands. Grabbing yeah. a flag, way harder. And I'm not pretending like it's the hardest football there is. It's not. But if it's strictly that, like, hey, we got to get these kids off the couches at the summertime. We got to get them moving. I'm all on board. But yeah. if you're trying to tell me this is actual preparation for us to be a better football team, it can't. How no. on earth could, like you said, because one, one thing I learned, I remember learning this quickly. Um, I had to play backup quarterback once because Zach, he, I don't remember he had twisted his ankle or something like that. I don't remember what it was, but no, 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 no. It wasn't a backup quarterback. I was like the third string quarterback because I was the starting running back. But what I, it was a toss right halfback pass, right? That's what it was. There we go. And I remember I get the pass. I get the, you know, the toss and we'd only, I've only practiced this without pads on and it was against um, Fountain Hills High School. And I went to go throw this thing and I'm like, oh my gosh, he's, I can't move my arm. Because you've got running back pads, pads on. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so like I went to throw it and it was the worst possible throw picked off. Obviously I ended up tackling the guy, but I remember thinking at the time, like how on earth does a quarterback ever throw the football with these freaking things on their shoulders? It totally limits your range of motion, but seven on seven, you're not throwing it yeah. with shoulder pads on. So how on earth is this telling you anything about how good you actually could be as a quarterback or yeah. at a receiver? You're like you said, running over the middle. You're not worried about getting destroyed. Yeah, it, it was, uh, it, it didn't give us anything. And I have always said, let's just, uh, you know, we were on the field every day, Monday through Thursday in the summer, and we're in the weight room for an hour each. Yeah. And we get more out of that because I'm standing there. I'm like, no, this is where you break on that route. Put a cone there. Yeah. You know, get your hands up. And we get more out of that time than seven on sevens. But again, it's keeping up with the Joneses. Yeah. Every school does it. You Now it's like you can't not do it. And that's another like Saturday practices. I'm against that. If I was a head coach, we're not coming in on Saturday. No, we used to do film. We would watch, we'd get up, go watch film. We'd just watch the game before. If we were going to do anything, that's all we would do. We have full practices at most of the places I've been. And it's- That's crazy. It's not like we're hitting or anything, but when I was in high school, this is the late 80s, (laughs) my buddies back home in Minnesota, I tell them about that, that we come in for two, three hours on Saturday. And they said, well- didn't you play Friday? Yeah. yeah. I know. I'm like, no. I'm sleeping. You know, I'm so beat up because <laughs> yeah. I was a two-way lineman. Yeah. I'm sleeping until 10, 11 a.m. And my dad's making me breakfast. And I'm not going to. Refueling for the yeah, week. Yeah. I'm not going in and doing agilities and running. And I know they think it, well, we're getting the kinks out and doing all this. Let the kids sleep. So it's not going to solve anything. No. So here, here's one of the things that you put down, you wanted to talk to and this might be the right time to move into it. It's not exactly in order, but when you say work out the kinks, let the kids relax. Like they just played a game the night before. Maybe we kind of like mesh us into the same conversation of specialization. Cause I, that is something yeah. I am firmly opposed to. Yes. Um, you'll, you'll really get me going. Well, um, coach, that's what you're here for. Yeah, Let's do it. Go off, man. So All right. for anybody that knows what we're talking about, we're talking about sports specialization at a young age where it's like, okay, you're starting your kid off at 10 years old. He's going to be in little league. He is only going to be a baseball player. He's going to be playing oh, baseball all the way through. Makes me so mad. And it's an all year sport. You're not doing any other sport in between. You're going from one club to the next club, to the school, to the next club. And it's yep. just all year round. And one that is very unhealthy for your body. And I've got some facts and some science to back that up. But, Coach, go ahead and, and give me a sure. Well, yeah, that. the knees. I mean, uh, and, we, and there's so many benefits to mixing it up. So I'll give you an example. And, and this is, you know, I'm a wrestling coach, so take it for what it is. But when we shoot a double leg takedown, that's a tackle. Yeah, yeah. And our staying low, shooting your hips through. That's all from wrestling. Track. All those skill position kids should be running track. track. So at Perry, we had a lot of parents who, you know, God bless them, but they had a position coach. And I don't mean somebody works for our staff. They had a position coach they went to. Then they had a strength coach they went to. Then they had a speed coach. So some of these parents had the means to pay all these guys as their coaches. So I had a kid in my class, and he said he wasn't running track. And Perry had a good track team. And I said, why? And he said, well, my dad's hired a speed coach for me. And I said, well, isn't that what track, track does? is? <laughs> yes. And he said, yeah. And I said, well, how much will Coach Nightingale, that was our, our head track coach, charge you to be on the track team? Nothing. 
Okay. <laughs> so you're going to pay this guy and he's going to have you run with some parachutes and do some things that look cool. Yeah. But you could be representing your school. And the, the buddies I had in track were not the same guys I had in football. We're not the same guys I had in wrestling. Yeah. So you meet other kids. Yeah, you totally lose out on that social aspect of it. That and, and just representing the school and competing, uh, running right next to somebody eye to eye, and I've got to beat you. Yes. We're fueling the, comp- the competitive nature in, in humans. And um, so the specialization is, is ridiculous. Um, Josh Birch is the is a teacher at Desert Ridge, and we went through the same doctoral program, and his dissertation was on sports specialization, and you wouldn't, you probably would believe, but the the damage to knees and ankles is astronomical. Yeah, it uh, like these kids who who think that that's what they need to do. I, I just think it's ridiculous. And what I, if somebody ever tells me when my kids are they're getting to the age where they're studying sports now, hey, uh, you know Carter needs to play baseball year round. Oh, you're talking to the wrong guy. The problem is, so I've got daughters that play club soccer, right? And I do have one of them. My middle one does track right now. She's a freshman. The problem is if you don't play club stuff, you, it's like you're not going to make a high school team because all those kids do. So it's like it's like a catch 22 like you because I'm a big believer in multi sports like go like I played football, basketball and did track every all year all, all through high school and it was track was awesome. I love track especially as a football player, right? Like you, there's nothing. I mean four by one state championship two years in a row and it is there. That is a rush at the end of the night that you can't even explain, right? Yeah. But my kids are or, uh, but these coaches now they're like, no, you have to play soccer. You go soccer, soccer, soccer. And I'm like, well, what about volleyball? It teaches her agility, you know, different ways to do things or track. I, I had to convince her that if you don't want to, I know you don't like to run. Nobody likes to run really, but you're doing it for, for soccer. So run, get faster, do all this stuff for soccer. And she's starting to see it because especially because I won't say the club, but the club they use, dude, for for a soccer team does not condition, and it drives me bonkers. Yeah, dude. But that's a whole other story. Yeah, we've talked about that. I could spend an hour talking about club conditioning is terrible. But I don't believe they won't make the team. I don't believe that. I think a coach will tell you that. Yeah. But if if coaches want to win. Yes. True story. If if he's the best player, okay, tell me whatever you want. But he's going to. <laughs> I even say, I, oh my gosh. They're, my son will make the team. And then when they tell me he's not going to say, okay, we'll wait. And, and I, plus there's uh, other things that I, I, I believe. And I got sometimes club coaches get mad at me. I said, it's all about money. And a club oh, coach at Perry told me, I don't make any money. I said, no, but the guy who runs your league is making bank. Yeah. And he's, Probably that's his only job. Yeah. He has to run a soccer league. Yeah. And so maybe I'm jealous I didn't think of that <laughs> and run something like that. But I think it's a selfish thing. They those they want I one hundred percent agree. They want to make the money. And same with uh, having all these trainers like I talked about. You know, I, I had a kid who wrestled for me and uh, he had a guru teaching him how to wrestle. And uh, I guess we didn't do it good enough. And he would go <laughs> see this kid once a week. And then uh, I said, you know, well, he cares. The mom said, he cares so much about him. I said, stop paying him and and see how much he cares. Exactly. Because, you know, I'll tell you, a coach, now it depends on the district, you're making between 2,500 to five grand top at any district. To be a coach, yeah. So really, you lose money. Yeah. With the The amount of time that you spend doing it. Away from your family. Um, an hourly, like I go to wrestling tournaments all day Friday, all day Saturday. Yeah. So you don't do it for the money. Now, it's a nice little bump during season in your salary. It's a, a stipend. And right. You didn't expect it. Then it ends when the season ends. So, you know, we're not making any money. And that's why I said to this mom, I said, stop paying him and see if he loves your son so much. Yeah. How, how right. much is he going to be on the mat with him when you're not paying him a penny? I used to remember Coach Holiday used to always scream, I'm not out here making my dollar twenty five to watch you guys screw around. <laughs> <laughs> it was, it yeah. was, that was it was a eye opener for us to recognize that, oh, you guys don't get paid anything to do this? Oh, okay. Yeah. You're just doing it because you love it? All right. That makes a little bit different. Now well, I do have to defend, like obviously some clubs, they're good. They're there's they sure. serve a purpose. My wife is a club volleyball coach. And they tell you what, like she loves it. She loves coaching those girls. She does. And she is one of those coaches. She doesn't make any money. She, I mean, like I said, she doesn't. Right. She's still involved in a lot of the girls' 
lives like that have moved on. She'll, she'll text him every once in a while. Happy birthday. How you doing? And they'll let her know what's going on in their lives. So like that is a good thing. That is a good thing. Cause mentoring. You, exactly. It's the mentor aspect. Mm-hmm. I mean, are these girls going to go and get scholarships? Probably not. Probably not really. <laughs> most likely the reason why they're there is because mom, dad are willing to pay for it. Right. So if, if we're not going to, compete at the next level why wouldn't you play three sports why wouldn't you play them all because at 18 you're gonna be done and then it's church softball okay right (laughs) (laughs) which i love no that's great but uh it's over it's over that's a hard thing to recognize at that age because you don't understand what it means when you say it's over yeah like like you said it's pick a basketball at the church yeah you know it's if you go yeah some, if you're willing to pay the money and the time to learn how to play that sport, I mean, it's just the the chances to compete and play different sports is almost over. Yeah. And not only that, but you get to the age in which you can't because it hurts. <laughs> like everything hurts once yeah. you do it. Yeah, I, I was texting my buddy um, because the 20 year reunion's coming up for us. Not this year, but next, right? Mine's this year. Yeah, yours oh, is this year. I hate and to he's, hear that. And yeah, <laughs> yeah, for you that really sucks. Yeah, I don't like it. <laughs> so he texts me he's like, "Oh man, we're old." I'm like, "Trust me, dude. I know it because just yesterday." I was my son's soccer coach for his game, which all that meant was I had the whistle to blow it when I went down to bounce, but I was running up and down the field with all these six, seven-year-olds. And I woke up this morning, my Achilles tendons were so tight from running. And I'm like, dude, I am on the treadmill every day, but that kind of movement is just different. Mm-hmm. And it hurts. Yes. It, and the competition, like, I, 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 it's just not there anymore. Um, do you, either one of you guys remember, there used to be a, a, a program on ESPN called Sports Science. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No. You don't remember that? Okay. No. I, I remember one of my favorite episodes of Sports Sciences. They did it on uh, Larry Fitzgerald's Catch Radius. Yeah. And they basically just started shooting him balls out of a jugs machine. And he just, okay, he can catch this, he can catch that. And how far do you have to jump for this one? And he had like the widest catch radius of anybody in the NFL. And it was awesome. But the guy that ran it, his name was David Epstein. So he's he's just this um, he's just a science guy that likes to his his most his biggest obsession is basically with, oh, human performance. Like how much can we do? What can we do? What's the average person able to do? Sure. Um, and so when we talk about specialization, he went and did a podcast on ESPN Daily, and I listened to it a long time ago. And I remember just all of the things that I had thought and felt when it came to sports specialization was completely verified in the way he talked about it. Let me ask you two names. And if you recognize these two names, um, do you recognize the name Roger Federer? Of course. Uh, Tennis, right? One of the greatest tennis players of all time, right? Yeah. Um, How about the name Tiger Woods? Nope, never heard of him. One of the great, he could have. Scandalous something, but how'd you do that, right? Yeah, yeah, there was some scandal there. He was a Swedish wife. I think he golfed a little bit. Just a little bit of golf, yeah. Not really what he's known for, though. Not anymore. (laughs) Unfortunately, no. Okay, so Tiger Woods was on the trajectory to be the greatest golfer of all time at an insanely young age. And then what happened to him? Body broke down. No. Body broke down. Back and was knees, right? I, I might have been his knees, but it was mostly his mostly back his has back. been his problem, right? And the guy is not old. He's not too old to still be dominating at golf, yeah. right? He is, I think he's like in his mid-40s. But this this happened years ago. The last major he won was five years ago, it was 2019. And that was a miracle that he got was able to get back to playing at that level. So that's a guy at a young age for a sport which you should be able to play well into your, I mean, if you want to go on the senior tour, you can play that until like 75, yeah. right? So he can't, his body's breaking down. He had to drop out of his own um, tournament. He just did because he couldn't continue to go. He was in so much pain. Roger Federer, one of the top um, tennis players for a long time. And he never had any issues with health, right? He was one of the most healthiest players on the, the tour on the, the, um, what are they, what's the top? It's not PGA. Is it PGA? No, no. no. What is the golf? Um, I don't know. USTA is it? Uh, I want to like say the Wimbledon, but it's just because that's yeah, it's because the one just because of the one tournament. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 But anyway, the, so the, the professional uh, tennis circuit, we'll say, right? He was one of the healthiest guys, and he was able to compete at a high level for a very long time. And David Epstein, in this podcast, lays it out, and the reason why that is is because Roger Federer, growing up, played everything. He didn't get into tennis until he was much older in life, like like probably 17 or 18 years old when he first started playing tennis, which is not typical for today's youth. Today's you, you can just pull that. Don't worry about it. Okay. Yeah, yeah. You can move that thing. If you want to sit back, move that thing all the way. But Tiger Woods famously started playing t- uh, golf at like three years old. Yeah. And like that was all that he did was golf. All that he did. And now he's got his son doing the same thing. Yes. So his body will shut down at 27. Yeah, and his <laughs> body, yeah exactly. But it's because all of that specific movement 
wears down your body. While Roger Federer played everything that was available to him, he was a well-rounded athletic body where he could basically do whatever movement he needed to because he wasn't specialized in one specific sport. Yeah, well, also mentally, like when football would end, I was checked out. Oh, yeah. I was done mentally. And then wrestling came, and it's different. Then the end of the wrestling season, Hey, you know, in Minnesota, you know, it's been dark at 3 p.m. for the, for all well, winter. I don't know. I can't imagine. Do and I'm going to get to imagine. go outside and, and throw and run and the sun's going to be shining. Okay, let's go. That's yeah. track. And then I would hit camps for wrestling in the summer, but I wasn't doing a full off season. And so one thing I do right now um, is I don't start my off season until three weeks into track slash baseball. Because by that point, the guys that I've pushed to do it, they're either going to or not. Yeah. yeah. So I do off-season wrestling practices, but the they're told you should do this, you should do this, I, especially with wrestlers, my small guys. I want them running cross-country. Yeah. Keep their weight down. And uh, so Enjoy I haven't started up. yet. I haven't started our off-season tournaments and we don't go all the time i think we'll go to three tournaments and that's enough and then a summer camp that i run up in sholo but yeah the specialization um and the parents thinking that's going to get them a scholarship yeah you know and all it's going to do is it's just going to wear out their body how yeah. many you don't follow baseball much jason but i'm sure you've heard the amount of guys that have ucl hairs in there. Oh, yeah. 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 It's because they've been throwing a baseball since they were seven years old and they never took a break. Like, dude, this is one thing that Coach Bill used to say to us at the end of every single football season. All right, who's doing wrestling? Who's playing basketball? Who's doing soccer? Yep. And he didn't let any one of us say that we weren't doing something. Like, for me, like, I wasn't a basketball player and I wasn't a wrestler. And I certainly was not a soccer player. Like, there was (laughs) nothing about me said soccer because I remember I did play soccer one time. And it was one of those things where, like, the coach is like, okay, this guy's got all the speed, but he has no idea what to do with the ball. Like, I couldn't do anything with it. It got to me. I wasn't going to be able to dribble it. I couldn't hit that thing. I was just going to run down and get off sides called every single time, which I finally learned what that rule means. (laughs) You know what I mean? It takes a while. It takes a while. But he wouldn't accept that we weren't doing anything. We had to be doing something. And that's where it starts. Um, The worst offender is baseball at the high school level. Yeah. And, you know, we've got kids who are in the weight room with us for football and wrestling. And then they're going to play in a baseball tournament Saturday. I'm like, they must just be tuckered, pooped. They must hate the sport. Yeah. And and they're doing that. And um, I'll tell you, I told you I'm a storyteller by nature. Let's hear it, coach. This was when I was at Fountain Hills. That was my first job straight out of Minnesota. And, uh, I was a varsity line coach for football, and this mom said something to me, and I don't remember how it came up, but she said, well, we can't have that next year when the scouts are out. And I said, and she got really mad at me. I said, ma'am, Fountain Hills versus Parker, there's no scout. There's no scouts coming for that. I said, who is this (laughs) mythical scout that's sitting in the stands saying, oh, yeah, these two average 318s. (laughs) You know, now I, I told her, now, what happens is when we were at Perry, they'd come to see Brock Purdy. And even then, he, he didn't get heavily recruited at no, first. No, he didn't, yeah. But they'd come to see him, and then somebody else would have a great game. Or they came to see Mo Latu, who ended up playing at ASU. And then somebody else would do something great. So that happened. There also you know, was a school of 3,700 kids, so they're on the radar. Yeah. You know, the Valley, they do recruit kids in, in, in our, in East Valley, big yeah. time, yeah. big time, but not usually at the smaller schools. And, um, and you gotta be doing something special yes. to get noticed at a smaller school. Not to say that it doesn't happen. No, it does. But you gotta be doing you something gotta work special. Harder. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. Or, or you gotta be special and your coach has got to know it and say, Hey, listen, I've got contacts at this school. I'll send them your tape. Or, or I'll yeah. let them know that, hey, come take a look at you, or we've got some highlights to send them. But outside of that, like, if again, Fountain Hills versus Parker. Yeah, they're not coming. Mom and Dad's coming. <laughs> That's who's coming for that one. Yeah, <laughs> there's no mythical scout. And and the thing, too, uh, with college, if the kids want to play somewhere or wrestle somewhere, that's on the coach half the time, putting in the legwork, yeah. like you just said. We can find them a spot, but it's not a full ride. They might, oh, they're going to give you five grand. You know, I used to joke right. that I got um, 
free books and all you can eat. And they think <laughs> I'm joking. I'm like, well, no, that really was what we got. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't get any tuition assistance, free books, which, you know, can be a lot. Yeah, it can be a lot of money now. And then meal plan, which is, you know, for a young boy can be a lot it of money It could be too. awesome, actually. <laughs> that yeah, can be really great. That was it. And so, you know, just chasing a scholarship or trying to live vicariously through your kid, stop it. Just let them have fun. No, for real. And the thing that kills me is, and I know that I will be guilty of this to some extent. Um, so my son's, you know, he's just playing recreational soccer, right? And it's really, we've talked about this many times. It's really just because he likes it. And so I'm 100% on board. Like, hey, buddy, you like it? I'll go as far as you want to go with this. If you want to keep playing, we'll keep playing. And so he's just a recreational league over here by the, you know, the elementary school. And he, on his last team was, I mean, the kids were calling him messy. That's who he was on his team. And you remember Jay deal. So yeah, Jay deal's yeah. son was on that team. Yeah. And so anytime that the game would get close, Jay would always come up and be like, Hey, don't worry. We'll just get the ball to Benjamin. We'll be all right. <laughs> and I'd, I'd laugh about it, but it's really because Benjamin was really good on that team. He had a couple games that he scored seven to nine goals, you know, just himself, just taking it down the field and scoring the team he's on now. He is the third best kid on that team, and I might be generous, right? But I look at that and say, this is great. This is great. Now my son's going to look at these guys that are way better than him and be like, okay, well, what do I got to do to be as good as these guys? Um, I can't remember why I got into that. Well, that whole nurturing, other nurturing than to say, your kid. Oh, this, this is what that's I was a good say. thing. Yeah, what, what I was going to say is like, I know to some degree I will be guilty of not seeing my kid's faults, right. not recognizing that, okay, my kid's not everything that I think he is in my brain because i think we as parents are all going to get to that point where we have to recognize okay my perfect little angel is not a perfect little angel but they're still mine type thing right but that's the problem that i see with so many parents nowadays is they're not willing to recognize that their kids are not perfect that they are not the best player on the team and that maybe they're not getting playing time because they don't deserve the playing time and yet they'll come out and berate a head coach and yeah. say that you're the problem and they'll move their kid to some other school for the same problem to happen to that one while that kid has not learned anything about how to try and actually work through their own issues. They've not learned how to get through the adversity that was what makes sports so great because yeah. I remember for me, I was not good. I wasn't very good at all my freshman year. I broke my collarbone, came in late. And then I had one play. I had one play that I made a really good run on where it was like a the guy. It, I can't remember who we were playing. It was somebody out in the West Valley, like in Wickenburg or something like that. And um, this was my freshman year. The, the running back had like a long breakaway run from like the 20 yard line. I was on the opposite side of the field and I ran him down and chased him and tackled him at their at our three yard line. Right. And I remember like being treated like a hero. I got the wind knocked out of me and I thought I was going to die. Like, I was already gassed from running. And then I went, when I went, the way I landed, I landed right on his feet, landed right in my stomach and knocked the wind right out of me. I honestly, you know that feeling, that feeling when oh, happens like the you first can't time, catch your oh, breath. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. you honestly think you're dying. For like sure. I'm going to die. I'm going to die right here. And I remember I got pulled off to the sideline. Coach Adams was patting me on the back. My gosh, I was so great. And that really made me feel like, okay, maybe I can do this. I can do this. And it was that confidence boost that I needed, but it wasn't because I was given to me. It was because right. I had to work through. I came onto the team late because of my broken collarbone. I had to work my way onto the field because I wasn't the guy that, I mean, was, listen, if Jason walked onto the field right now, I'd be like, oh yeah, let's find, let's find a spot for that guy. That guy deserves to be on the field. When I see me walking the field, I'm like, okay, that guy can, he'll work yeah, his way. 140 out. pounds, you yeah, said you were. Yeah. And Dude, you were 16. I think I was 215 when I was 16. Like. Dude, no, when I was 16, I was 150 maybe oh at most. Yeah, I was, yeah. I graduated at 165. In eighth was, grade, I was 193, bro. I vividly remember <laughs> that weight, trying to fit in a size 32 what, what grade? What grade Eighth grade. Dude, I specifically remember in sixth grade crossing over the century mark and being like all right sweet i now finally weigh as much as my girlfriend does <laughs> well you know um there's so many things that we can take like you said that sense of accomplishment that get you through life like all the things that i battle i learned from sports yeah. mom and dad were great my brother was great i had a great childhood but yeah i have rheumatoid arthritis so there's some days that I can barely walk, but I grit my teeth and I get through it. That came from football and wrestling. Yeah, 100%. that didn't come from my dad telling me I was a good kid. He did that. Yeah, but uh, and then when uh, emotionally, you know, when somebody somebody dies, um, my parents both passed. 
getting myself up the next day and getting back at it, that mental toughness came from sports. So, and every day, you know, who, most of the time, there's one day a week where, you know, you don't want to go to work. Yeah. <laughs> but it's usually yeah. Mondays. Yeah. yeah. The Mondays, right? But you do it anyway. Yeah. yeah. yeah like the Mondays. Tomorrow morning, I may want to <laughs> sleep in, but I'm not going to. Right. And you know what? Because when people hear this, they're like, oh, coach, he called it in. He just told us he's <laughs> yeah. calling it in. <laughs> yeah. You can't I, do that now, I mean, man. <laughs> there's so many days where I'm like, I have all these sick days where I, I could just sleep in, take the kids to school and take a long nap. Then I kind of beat myself up. Like I'm my own coach. And I say, get get up and go. Let's yeah. go. Yeah. It's battle and adversity. Yep. It's something you're taught to do in every sport because you're never winning all the time. Mm-hmm. You're losing plays. You're losing moments. You're losing innings. Like you're never, you're never winning all the time. So it just teaches you from a very young age to keep pushing. That humility. That. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've had my butt kicked. Oh, for in sure. In football and in wrestling in front of a girl I wanted to date, my aunt and uncle, my mom and dad. Uh-oh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. But, you know, learned lesson learned. Man, it teaches you things you don't want to have happen to you. You know, like I remember, I vividly remember my junior year watching the seniors cry when they lost in the playoffs. Oh, yeah. Right. And you were like, no, like we are going to go to work and we are going to truly, I mean, and that transforms into life, right? Like, no, I'm not going to turn out like my parents or whatever. I'm going to make something of myself. It just starts at such a young age. Yeah. And sports is just fundamental for everybody. It's, but. it's really for me, it's like a Petri dish for turning yourself into something. 100%. And I'm not saying that everybody excels at high school sports. Well, it doesn't have to be sports. To. It can be any kind of discipline, right? Yes. It doesn't have to be a sport. It's just right. some yeah. kind of discipline that you take in because some people aren't athletically gifted, right? But they can walk up to a piano and play that because they put oh. the time and effort into it. Yeah, and that brings me back to what David Epstein, the sports science guy, he has a book. Um, he came out. It's called, uh, let's see what the name of the book here. It's called Range, Why Generalists Triumph in a Specialized World. And he did a whole crap ton of study on people that specialized in one specific thing versus those people that were a generalist, did a lot of different things. And the people that were the ones that said, you know what, I'm going to do a little bit of trumpet, a little bit of piano, a little bit of guitar, a little bit of drums. Because yeah. again, we're talking to musical instruments. They were the ones that became a far superior, um, why can't I, <laughs> I, just, I was going to say instrumentalist, but that musician, they became far superior musicians because they did a little bit of everything. So they understood theory behind everything instead of just, Hey, I know how to play the piano. I'm right. really great at the piano. I can't touch anything else because I only play the piano. Like that's how you break down your ability to evolve and turn and unlearn other yes. disciplines. So you'll like this one, buddy Lee, your friend, Michael yeah. Lee, for those of Michael, you who do not Buddy know. Lee. <laughs> Sorry, we call him Buddy. But uh, he was on my wrestling team, and we went to a huge tournament, Rochester, Minnesota. I don't know if you remember that. Oh, he talks about it all the time. Flew up there. Some of those kids had never even been in snow, like especially <laughs> like in Minnesota. And so he's got a bunch of guys on the team that I don't think had ever touched a musical instrument. We're taking a tour of the Mayo Clinic, the, the real Mayo Clinic, you know, not the okay. satellites. It's in Rochester, where presidents go for their physicals and there was this grand piano sitting there and they said if anybody wants to play it and he sat down and started playing the piano and then people who were in there while we were taking the tour clapped for him yeah and his teammates looked at him differently after that like how do you know how to do that (laughs) and it was really cool Uh, i'll never forget that that he just sat down and i don't know what he played he could probably tell you but um yeah so we were you know he was a renaissance kid you know, he, he was well-rounded. He wasn't just an athlete and yeah. a, a jock. And I always took pride in getting good grades because you know how the stereotype of athletes were dumb and, and were barbaric and this and that. Well, some of that feeds into our base instincts, you know, we're as, as humans, you yeah. know, the attack mode and being aggressive. My son's five and he's aggressive. But I also was paying attention in class, getting good grades. You were a good student. Eric in my English class. I love um, that class. Yeah, you you were great, and <laughs> and so was Zach. You know, he was in that class with mm-hmm. you. When they're in the hallway and they're reading Julius Caesar, and I step out, they're actually reading it and <laughs> and reading the parts to it and everything. So, 
It's funny because I don't remember anything in English. My, my, <laughs> my English teacher loved football players, dude. She was all, it was so, I grew up in such a small football town that it was very Texas ish, dude. Like I didn't pay for a meal in high school my senior year. Like we got, we got treated really good because we were on a good team. And, and you want state? You yeah, want states? You want states, yeah. I, want, I went to states and How won. How many? Yeah. So, but that's just, yeah, I don't remember anything about English. It's funny that you're like, oh, he's a good, I'm like, dude, I don't remember. I was like, I had like a 2.7 GPA. I didn't do homework. I didn't study. I didn't do anything. Yeah. I bet you read Lord of the Flies. Uh, sure. <laughs> I, remember, I remember To Kill a Mockingbird. Okay. Well, yeah. so, I remember stuck. that. I don't remember the storyline so much, something but I, I remember having to do a book report and just read in the back of the book, you know, that, that stuff. But dude, it's, I'm not proud of that. Like, I wish I could have done better, but it's just when you knew that it didn't matter. Well, see, My that, geometry teacher was the only one that held me accountable, dude. He <laughs> failed me in geometry, and then I had to swear to take his class again just to play basketball for the season. He would, he would write a note saying he could play <laughs> if I, just took, and I had to take geometry twice, bro. It was terrible. <laughs> I'm not good with angles, man. But here's the thing, though. I, I know you well enough to know that you are you are definitely if you were to go through and you said hey you know what i'm gonna go and get a bachelor's in criminal science or ooh, criminal whatever right. or you know english you could do it. oh yeah i have an associate's in criminal justice oh, I there just you don't go. Want, and i have enough credits for a bachelor if i just specialize in the rest but no see and that's I mean, a, I just, but that's one of those things though at that age because I, I i will say this i was very guilty of it if it was a tip uh, subject i liked well actually right. i would say this if it was a teacher i liked like coach. That makes a huge difference. It made a big difference because oh. I was not the greatest um, English student, but you and Mrs. Warner, Yvonne Warner, were great the two lady. great lady, two teachers that I remember so vividly from high school. I mean, like, yeah, these are, and you, that was my sophomore year. I don't yeah. even remember who my junior, high, I don't remember who that was at all. <laughs> I remember Miss Warner was my final, she was yeah, my English one one teacher my yep. senior year. And, but like, I remember the, a lot of my other teachers. I remember a lot of them, but I mean, specifically, I remember you and Miss Warner for English. I don't remember if I had another one. I know I did, but I don't remember who they were. And it had a lot to do with the fact, like I said, I liked them as teachers. They were in, they were important to me as a person, and I felt important to them as a person. So whatever it is they were teaching me, I was going to listen because sure. they were they showed an interest in who I was. Yeah, Man. Mr. Pedicure, bro. I remember because you know, algebra one got a D, geometry took twice, passed with a C, <laughs> algebra two I got an A in. See. And, and it's not like I did anything more. He just, <laughs> he was a good teacher. He paid attention and just, and I liked him more. Like he was more relatable, whatever it was. And he was kind of a weird dude. Like he lived in a place with no running water. He had like a generator for electricity out in Clay Springs. <laughs> like, Hey, yeah. Hey, don't be not- scared. <laughs> Clay Springs, baby. <laughs> no, but super good guy. Just lived alone, but he could teach. I understood. Well, he taught for Dude, this is hilarious. So when you said that, that totally takes me back. Do you remember Stetson Tenney? Oh, yeah. yeah. Big old Stetson so Tenney. So Stetson Tenney was a, he was the left tackle for uh, Sholo my senior year. He was the right side when I was there. Yeah, because you were the left. Because I was the left. He, yep. he, big boy, 6'5". In high school, he was probably 280. I mean, just huge. Just a big ogre, ogre looking dude, yeah. man. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> Freaking love you, Stetson. Stetson's anyway, so awesome. he ended up going to the same mission that I did. And we're out there talking. And I'm telling him what we used to go up all the time. So my parents had a place in Clay Springs. And he's like, oh, that's where all the inbreds live. And I was like, oh, wait a minute, man. <laughs> Hold on now. Give me a second here. Coming was- from Stetson. That's yeah. funny. <laughs> and he lived literally in the town right next to it. It's yeah. the same freaking town. If you it's don't not live the there. Same. Exactly. But if you don't live there, you have no idea. You have yeah. no, no idea you where you just switch towns. Yeah. Maybe cheap land, right? I mean, oh yeah, well, back was, then it was. It was for yeah, sure. back then, back then, yeah. It how, was. How long? Do, I, mean, I don't want to go. I'm just like, how long do we have? Oh, we generally do it about until we're done. Oh, okay. I'm just <laughs> yeah. making sure that I'm not. No, you're good. No, you're totally talking fine. too much. Or, or no, 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 you're you totally to fine. So I just it. wanted to uh, basically say that first, don't specialize your kids. No. It's not only not good for them mentally, it's not good for them <laughs> physically. It's bad for their bodies. And I've got science to back it up. Look at the book, Range, David Epstein. He did a whole thing on it in, in um, like say sports science. It's important to make sure that your body develops in different ways, not a specialized way. And it's just again physically it's not good and mentally it's not good because if you if you watch baseball like I do I'm a huge baseball fan there are 
I probably say of all the professional sports that I follow, there is no sport that I more consistently hear the players hate the game that they play than baseball players. Because they play it from five years yeah. old and never stop. Yeah. yeah. I mean, right now, the whole there's a big old thing about uh, Rendon. He's the uh, third baseman for the Anaheim Angels. He talks about like baseball is just a, it's just a, a job for me. The guy's getting paid like $300 million yeah. to never play because he's constantly hurt. And then when you hear him say something like that, you're like, dude, how entitled could you possibly be? Yeah, you don't love the sport. Yeah, and some of it has to do with it. It's probably because he might suck as a person when he says something so oh, outlandishly yeah. and sure. out of touch like that. But it might also be the fact that that's literally all he's ever done. Once he showed any kind of um, ability to play that sport, he probably got thrown into a youth camp somewhere. I don't know if he's if he's from the Dominican Republic. They start those kids at like 12 and they sign them up and they're like, hey, you're going to be playing for this club for forever and hopes that they turn into something. I mean, that's what happened to the guy that plays for the Reds, their shortstop. I can't remember his name, but he he signed with that Reds organization in the Dominican Republic at like 14 years old. That's a guy that's really fast. Super. Yeah, it's like uh, six foot seven. De La Cruz. Or yeah, something. De La Cruz. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And he's. I mean, he has all the physical tools you could ever want and hope for. I mean, he threw one of this um, uh, one of the uh, throws he made from shortstop to first was like like ninety nine miles an hour. This is coming from the shortstop. This guy isn't the pitcher, and you know anyway. So he's crazy fast, but he started at a super young age. When's he going to burn out? Probably pretty soon. Yeah, it's well, but the way it changes isn't by a coach, you know. And I always tell parents, I'm like, you have to back up our play. So don't let your kids specialize. You're their heroes. We're, we're helping. We're another set of eyes on your kid. And we're checking their behavior in the hallways. And I wanted to go back to something you said about when a parent gets mad at a coach. Oh, yeah. Sometimes they don't know. They're not at practice every day. Your kid's lazy. <laughs> like, he's yes. he's oh lazy in practice. We call them coach watchers. And it's like the kid who's not getting any reps. And we're on the clock. And we're working biceps. <laughs> Yeah. And then if I'm watching him, he, he's doing it. Then I stop watching him and I just pretend I'm not. And he's standing there talking to his buddy. Or in wrestling practice, um, we had a kid who, I won't name him, yeah, but at Higley, <laughs> he, we'd be going live. So we have to get, you know, we have to go live sometimes and not just drill and condition. Right. And he'd always pick like a kid three weight classes below him oh. and a JV or when he was varsity and oh, I'm going with him. And then, so of course, eventually we're like, no, no, I got your guy right here. And so mm-hmm. stuff like that, they don't know. Like, um, is he a turd in the, in the school? Yeah. Oh yeah. He, no, he's a jerk. His teachers all hate him. And but so, it's the teacher's fault. Right. Yeah. It's the teacher's fault. They, they hate and, my son. Yeah. And, and it's, it's like, <laughs> that's the dumbest thing anybody ever says to me. Cause I always say to kids, I don't like or dislike you. Yeah. And we're not going to go hang out. We're yeah. not going to go kick it. Yeah. You know, hey, let's hit a movie tonight. No, yeah. you're a child. I'm yeah. an adult. I don't like your behaviors, but do I like you? That doesn't even come into play. Yeah. It's not what I'm here for. No. And, and uh, you know, is he, are some kids better humans? Yeah. Yeah. And we notice that, but uh, it doesn't come into play where... I'm going to give him a D. Who can I give a D today? Yeah. This kid I don't sucks. Like I'm going to screw this I'm going to kill his grade today. Yes. <laughs> you know, no, he didn't study for the test. He knew we had it. He didn't do any of the reading. And, uh, <laughs> that was a guilty. point over there. He failed. And he failed it. Never failed, though. But, uh, <laughs> there you go. There you go. Does your house need a facelift? Do you look at your house and think, man, it just needs more curb appeal? Then reach out to Spray Boys Painting, a locally owned company that specializes in interiors, exteriors, and cabinetry. They do a fantastic job and come highly recommended by customers. Call or text Dallin at 480-688-1446 to schedule an estimate. You can find them on Facebook, Instagram, and Google. Just search Spray Boys Painting. You won't be disappointed. The JJ and Pug Show theme song was written, composed, and performed by Lane Hartman. Special thanks to Highland Communities for all the support given to our show. You can find the JJ and Pug Show podcast wherever you do listen to podcasts. Look us up on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. 
Remember to share the show with your friends and family and subscribe wherever you do listen. If you're able to, please feel free to support us by sending a donation to us by going to co-fi.com slash the JJ and Pug Show. That is ko-fi.com slash the JJ and Pug Show. Again, thank you so much, everybody, for all the support, whether that is by simply listening, whether that is sharing it with a friend, or giving us that sweet, sweet cash. We truly appreciate it all. Thank you so much.